You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 84 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today I am going to be talking about which seedlings, if you are a completely brand new gardener, or like let's say you started gardening last year, you bought seedlings, but you're thinking about starting from seed this year. I'm going to be talking about which seedlings you should buy versus which seedlings you should grow based on their ease of growth, how much of a pain in the butt they are to get going. You know, if you're brand new to starting seedlings at home from seed, there are a lot of tips and tricks, obviously, to getting seeds starting right. I've talked through a lot of them in previous episodes, but there are certain seedlings that just, ugh, They require a lot of babying. They require a little extra investment in terms of seed starting equipment. And sometimes they're just not the best choice for brand new gardeners to try and start from home. So I am going to be talking you through all of those recommendations. But first, a word from our sponsor. So let's go ahead and talk through which seedlings are easiest to grow from seed if you're a beginning gardener and which seedlings you're better off buying from your local nursery. These are opinions that are my own, you know. I am not basing them off of any sort of age-old gardening wisdom. They are opinions that I've formed after several years of gardening and experience and trying to grow these things from seed myself. Your mileage may vary, as they like to say, But I I think that having experienced certain troubles, certain frustrations with some of these seedlings, I feel like it makes it a pretty solid set of recommendations. So the first seedling that we're going to talk about is tomato seedlings. Those are a solid, solid grow-your-own seedlings at home from seed. Um, You know, if you have the resources, if you have the space, if you have the desire, you may not have the desire to. I want to preface, probably I should have started this whole episode with that. If you have no desire to grow from seed, that's totally fine. You don't have to do it. I just personally, and I know a lot of other gardeners who, you know, once they started gardening, once they had grown from seedlings, they were just really wanting to experience what it was like to start from seed. So, Don't feel like you're not doing enough as a gardener if you have no desire to grow from seeds. That's that's okay. You're still a gardener. You're still growing plants. You're still growing your own food. But if you want to grow from seed, tomatoes are incredibly easy to grow from seed. In fact, most gardeners find, quote unquote, volunteer tomato plants growing in their garden every year. You know, fruit has fallen from the plant 
and broken down in the soil and those seeds have taken root. Some people find volunteer plants in their compost pile. I have even heard of tomato plants, seedlings growing from people's garbage disposals. Obviously they don't use their garbage disposal as much as I use mine, uh, if that's the case, but it's all just kind of evidence that says tomatoes are strong growers that are determined to survive. And with that on your side, even the newest gardener has a really good chance of success growing tomatoes, you know, their own seedlings at home from seed. The next seedling that I want to talk about is actually related tomatoes, but I am going to say you should buy your seedlings, and that is eggplant. I am sure many gardeners have successfully grown their eggplant from seed into seedlings and transplanted them out in the garden. But after trying to grow eggplant from seed four different times and only really solidly succeeding in a plant that actually bore fruit, I, I really would suggest that new gardeners buy eggplant plants as seedlings instead of growing them from seed for two reasons. One, they're very picky about growing conditions when they're young. And unless you invest in a seedling mat to help keep the water in the reservoir warm, to help keep the soil warm, they will struggle to get very big before transplanting. So you have to have a very controlled seed starting environment. Two, flea beetles gang up on little eggplant seedlings faster than you can believe. There is nothing that I have been able to do to keep flea beetles completely at bay in my garden. And as soon as you set them out in May, you know, middle of May, late May in my zone, the flea beetles are upon them because they're already out and active. And if the seedling isn't strong enough, those little buggers will chew a bunch of little pinholes through the leaves and, and the seedling will fail pretty quickly. So by buying an eggplant seedling at your local nursery, you know, you can bypass those two things. You don't have to worry about their picky growing conditions in a seed starting environment. And then they're going to be probably a decent amount bigger than what you would be able to grow at home from seed. And the bigger they are, the stronger they are, the more successful they are at resisting pests like flea beetles. The third thing I want to talk about is onions. You've heard me talk about onions now a couple different times on this podcast, and I recommend that you grow them from seed. Yes, you can buy onion sets that give you a head start on the season. Onions, they're, they're a weird thing in that you don't buy onion seedlings. You either buy seeds or you buy sets, which are little mini bulbs that they're kind of like last year's baby onions. But the problem with that, as I've said before, is they put all of their energy into reproduction, aka flowering, sending up a big, huge flower stalk, which it really is huge, this big sort of globe of blossoms, like an allium flower, which makes sense because they're part of the allium family. But they put all of their energy into that instead of getting bigger and bulbing and creating a nice big onion for you to harvest and, and put in your pantry and cook with. So I really recommend growing onions from seed. And honestly, it's really pretty easy to grow from seed. They, they don't require super special growing environment, just really basic. They can handle being started in a pretty cool seed starting environment, like on a windowsill or even in a basement with fluorescent lights, which is, which is where I start my onion seedlings. They don't require a seedling mat and they withstand the stress of transplant 
and swings in spring temperatures really, really well, honestly. As long as temperatures don't get below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, which is freezing, they they are champs after transplanting outside. So I would definitely recommend, you know, if you're a new gardener and you're wanting to try some things growing from seed, onions would be one of those things. Next up is broccoli. I'm going to suggest that you grow broccoli from seed. And hear me out. I have grown broccoli from seeds several times now. And each time I sow the seeds indoors, along with a number of other seeds, the broccoli seeds are the first ones to show up to the party. They are strong growers. They are fast growers. They can handle the cold if you when you plant them out in March or in April if you live a bit further north, like say in zones three and four. Though, of course, like I said, with onions, you should still cover or protect them in the event of a freeze at 32 degrees Fahrenheit or below, but they are hardy. And honestly, I've witnessed zero issues with transplanting. Every once in a while, you will get a seedling, a broccoli seedling, that just fails to thrive for whatever reason. But honestly, that can happen with any seedling. That can even happen with seedlings that you buy from your nursery. So it's not uncommon. It's usually down to, you know, something at a genetic level that that that, that, that seedling just isn't able to do what it needs to do to keep itself alive. You know, the seedlings at the nursery might have a head start on you. They might be bigger. Every time I go to the nursery and I've just planted out my broccoli seedlings that I started from seed myself at home and I walk past the nursery's broccoli seedlings, I'm like, oh, God, those are so much bigger than the ones that I just transplanted. You know, but those are coming from probably greenhouses with lots of expensive dedicated resources. So it makes sense, you know, that their seedlings are bigger than than mine and that's okay because mine have always grown into super strong sturdy plants that produce big old heads of broccoli for me so not something I need to worry about not something you need to worry about either strawberries buy 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 your strawberries I don't know anyone who grows their strawberries from seed it is really really hard to get them to germinate I've tried it multiple times But once you buy one strawberry plant at your nursery, you can make more strawberry plants for free. Every year, as I've said in previous episodes about strawberries, strawberry plants send out multiple runners. They're like little clone plants that root and eventually you can separate from the mother plant to create a whole new seedling. So really there's no reason to try and grow strawberries from home. I have had much better luck transplanting a larger seedling purchased from a garden center, letting those run, and, and you know, getting new seedlings that way. Flea beetles are an issue with strawberries, but you know what? The strawberry plants from nurseries are big enough and strong enough to survive. And, you know, I say all this, and every once in a while, I still try to germinate a strawberry seed, um, even though I know better, but because I'm stubborn. But I always end up going back to store-bought strawberry seedlings whenever it's time to completely renovate my strawberry bed. Next up, along with strawberries, are raspberries. Really any, any berry plant. You know, raspberries, buy them. Blueberries, buy them. Blackberries, buy them as seedlings. They are, just any berry seed is nearly impossible to germinate. They grow much better as offshoots from the plant than trying to germinate them from seeds. 
You buy one raspberry primocane, just like strawberries, except for it's a cane instead of a plant, and it will send out one or more floricanes the following year through rhizomes, you know, special root nodules that grow below the soil's surface. You can't see them, but they're there. Um, so if you plant one primocane and have the patience to wait a few years, you'll have a whole like bush of raspberry canes. That's exactly how I started the raspberry kind of section of my garden. I started with one raspberry primocane. And now I would say this will be my third year with raspberries. I probably have eight to 10 canes going on. So they reproduce at an exponential rate. Next up would be garlic. And I would say buy your garlic cloves. Again, we don't buy garlic as seedlings. We buy it as seed garlic. We buy bulbs of garlic, you know, that we separate apart into cloves and we plant those cloves. I have grown garlic from grocery store bulbs a few times and it does work. You will get garlic bulbs from grocery store bulbs. But the bulbs you grow are likely to be significantly smaller than the bulbs you that you get from seed garlic if you buy, you know, seed garlic instead of the less expensive garlic from the grocery store. And a lot of this is due to the fact that store-bought garlic might have been grown in a climate and in growing conditions that are totally different from yours. Typically, seed garlic is grown in a, in a similar, it, if not a similar climate to yours, at least, you know, similar growing conditions. Like, it's grown outside without a whole lot of crazy pesticides and huge amounts of fertilizer. So if you want to try it for the first time and you don't want to invest as much money, totally try it with grocery store garlic. But if you want bigger bulbs and you don't mind the extra expense, it's about $20 for half a pound of seed garlic, which will get you, depending on the variety, because some bulbs of garlic are really huge and their cloves, therefore, are really huge. And you only get like five or even six cloves of garlic for something like music. The variety of garlic is going to be a lot you might only get two bulbs for $20 and that gives you 10 plants. But, you know, a smaller variety of garlic like red enchilium, you would get three or four bulbs for $20 and that would give you something like 30, you know, plants. So it really kind of depends down to the variety that you buy. You know, if you don't mind that extra expense, buy it from a reputable garlic grower. I have had really good luck with Fillory Garlic Farms um, and plant your garlic, as I've said in a previous episode, in the fall. Sweet potatoes. This one, I went back and forth about this one. I would say grow sweet potato slips yourself. Like garlic, you can grow sweet potato slips from grocery store purchased sweet potatoes. The likelihood of experiencing size issues seems to be less of a concern with sweet potatoes than it does for garlic, at least in my experience. Having both grown my own sweet potato slips from an organic sweet potato at the grocery store, and it does have to be organic, as I've mentioned in that episode about growing your own sweet potato slips. Having done that and also having purchased them from a seed company, I just feel like growing your own slips is, it's one, it's easy and it's way, way cheaper. I, like, how much does one sweet potato cost? Like $1.50, $2? I don't know, maybe a little bit more expensive because it's organic. Sweet potato slips are probably going to be 
about $20 for about 10 to 15 sweet potato slips. And you can get probably 10 to 15 slips from a sweet potato that you have grown slips from yourself, just from that one potato. So what is that? Like 15 to $17 less. I would, I would recommend it. There are a few challenges, mostly temperature related since sweet potatoes are a tropical plant, but I promise you can do it. I have a guide on the blog, bnbasil.com that tells you how to do it. There's also a previous podcast episode that details all about how to do it. So if you're interested, go back and listen to it. The next, actually, I grouped these two together because I, they're very similar in terms of how they grow are squash, both summer and winter squash, and cucumber. I would definitely rate those a grow them yourself from seed at home. They produce some of the most vigorous, fast-growing seedlings I've ever seen, which means they're really, really easy to grow. And you don't even have to start them inside. That I mean, like that makes them even more of a no-brainer to grow yourself, right? You sow them directly into your garden soil, usually in May, when the soil has warmed up a decent amount. Cucumbers you can sow, in my zone anyway, in mid to late April, and they'll pop up in a matter of days. I know starting anything from seed sounds scary when you're first starting out, but I promise you, like if you want to start with anything from seed for the first time, grow squash, no matter what variety it is, and cucumber from seed. Just make sure you're covering your squash seedlings starting around mid to late June if squash bugs are a problem in your area. You know, if you started them from seed in May, by mid to late June, they they start to get, you know, pretty decently big and they start to have some true leaves and they start to attract squash bugs. And squash bugs will take out a squash seedling that's that small in no time. Cucumbers, squash bugs totally leave alone, so... You don't need to worry about that, but that is kind of a caveat of starting your squash, especially from seed at home. It's just they're not going to be as big as the ones at the seedling nursery, and therefore they are going to be a little bit more susceptible to pest attacks. So you just have to be a little bit more proactive, think forward a little bit, and know that when it starts to get really warm outside, you need to put a cover over them to protect them. Next up. Peppers. If you are a total newbie, if you don't want to invest in a whole lot of seed starting equipment, buy your pepper seedlings from a nursery. Like eggplant, peppers are picky about their growing conditions. They need to be babied and coaxed along with warmth from germination through transplanting. Sometimes even a little bit longer, like after transplanting, you use that black plastic to kind of warm up the soil in your garden. They are, in my experience, one of the pickiest produce seedlings. Once you get them up and going, once they've been transplanted into the garden and they have taken root and taken off, they're really, really easy to care for. They kind of just do their thing, honestly. But starting them from seed can be challenging if you're brand new to it. So I recommend buying pepper plants as seedlings at a nursery if you're brand new to starting from seed. Once you get a little bit more comfortable, have an established process and an environment for seed starting, have a little bit more budget to invest in seed starting to supplies like a seedling mat, 
you know, give growing peppers from seed a try. I grow them from seed exclusively now. I've done it. I've mastered it. I've talked about all my mistakes growing peppers from seed in a previous podcast episode. I also have a blog post about it at beandbasil.com. So, you know, there's information out there to help you succeed if you feel like you're up to the task. But if you are brand new at it and don't have a huge budget, I would recommend buying your seedlings this time around. Next up, herbs. Grow your herbs from seed. When it comes to produce seedlings, there's never, honestly, in my opinion, a reason to buy an herb seedling. I can't think of a single herb I tried to grow from seed that failed, seriously. Rosemary, thyme, oregano, sage, basil, they all thrive readily when grown from seed. I've joked a little bit before about how herbs grow like weeds. That's kind of because they kind of are weeds, right? They they don't really care about the condition of soil that you plant them in. They don't require really any fertilizing if you kind of don't want to. I mean, every once in a while, especially if you're growing them in a pot, the soil in that pot is going to eventually, yes, get exhausted of nutrients and you will want to sort of recharge that soil by fertilizing it. But if it's out in the garden, if you're transplanting your herbs out in the garden, you typically, you know, don't need to fertilize it, especially if you've already fertilized the soil for like your other plants that you're planting out there. It'll be just fine. Granted, you know, rosemary, herbs like rosemary, they like a little less water and a little more sand in the soil than other herbs. So eh, they're a little bit pickier once you sort of transplant them and kind of really start to get them going. But growing them from seed, in my experience, has been just as easy as starting any other herb from seed. And plus, if you're wanting to cook with a wide variety of fresh herbs, buying them all as seedlings can kind of get expensive. Like we see all the time, like that that Pinterest picture of like that vertical wall of herb seedlings. And, you know, they always show planting a bunch of store-bought seedlings in there. You know how expensive that would be? Good gosh. I am thrifty, so I'm just like, no, I'm going to start those from seed myself. Um, so I would recommend it for sure that you grow them by, you know, yourself from seed at home. They don't require a really expensive seed starting rig or setup or anything like that. You can do it. Lastly, peas or beans. Grow those. Grow those from seed. You you won't or at least shouldn't find legumes for sale as seedlings in nurseries. And that's because legumes like peas or beans do not like having their roots disturbed and therefore they do not transplant well. All peas and beans should be sown directly into the garden. Just like squash and cucumber, they're strong germinators and they're vigorous growers. That can be said of anything that is recommended to be sown directly outside. The reason why you can grow it directly outside is because they're strong and they are fast growers. So you give them something to climb. In the case of peas or beans, you can even, I don't know, I would say you should grow squash and cucumbers vertically as well. Takes up a lot less space. But yeah, give them something to climb and you'll be just fine growing peas and beans from seed, even if you are a brand new gardener. So those are all of my different seedlings that I kind of recommend growing from seed. 
I, you know, there's obviously more fruits and vegetables than that, but these are the most common. These are the ones that most new gardeners like to start with or are interested in starting with. So there, that's why this episode, this blog post is centered around those. Over time, I do, you know, plan to talk through the difficulties in growing things like cantaloupe or watermelon. So don't worry, that content is coming later this year. But until then, that's my that's my recommendation or those are my recommendations for things to start from seed for brand new gardeners. In the next episode, I'm excited about this one. I'm going to be talking about how to grow quinoa. Yes. Like if you don't know what quinoa is, you might not be excited. You might be confused. You might be like, what is she talking about? Quinoa is an ancient grain. Uh, really, really good for you. I think it's classified. I'm fairly certain it's classified as a superfood because it has a ton of different amino acids in it. So it's really good for your body. And it's something that a lot of vegetarians actually eat because it has so many different amino acids in it that typically, you know, meat eaters, omnivores get from, from meat. So quinoa is a really great thing to grow. It does have its challenges though. I've grown it myself, so I know that for sure. We're going to be going through all the challenges, all the tips and tricks to growing quinoa in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening so much. I hope your February is going well. I hope we're almost done with this super cold weather, that it's starting to warm up in your little part of the planet, and you're getting excited about the coming growing season. Thank you so much, guys. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.